In today's episode, I talk about Jesus calling the first disciples and why the profound language Jesus uses is so important for us to understand. Hey everyone, I don't know if you've heard the news, but um, the police just discovered the body of a man inside of a crate of chickpeas, and they're treating it as a homicide. That was a little dark one. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 99. We're almost at 100. We're at 99 episodes, and so I have a special ask for all of you. If this is your first time listening, or you've listened before, or all 99 episodes so far, I would love if you could just send us a little audio clip, a video, a comment, an email, anything, just talking about what has what you've enjoyed about this podcast. What has it meant to you? Do you have a favorite episode? Is there any kind of message that you want to share as we move into the next you know phase of this podcast and and all the things it could become or transform into? I'd love to hear what you've enjoyed, what you've loved, even what you didn't like. But I would love for you to share that uh, with us. You can email all of that to manafoodforthought at gmail.com. Go to manafoodforthought.com and you can find all of our contact information there. You can DM us on Instagram at manafoodforthought. Tag us, uh, tag this episode, share it with someone that you think could benefit from it. Make sure you tag us on social media and make sure if you have not yet done so, please rate and review this podcast so others can find it. If you'd like to become a sponsor for as little as $1 a month, you can click the Patreon tab on our website and that'll tell you all how to do that. But please, 99 episodes, I want to share on the 100th episode some of that feedback. So you, you know, your voice could be featured on the podcast if you like, uh, if you send me audio or video. Um, otherwise, just send me a comment or an email, a direct message, and uh, I will read those out and, um, you know, reflect on those with you. And we'll do some fun things for the 100th episode. So, um, yes, without further ado, let us get into this episode with our Peak Pit and Plug. Peak Pit Plug. That's my fake audio. Um, peak is that I'm officially on vacation. For the first time in, gosh, a year and a half since COVID hit, and I don't know when I took vacation before that, to be honest, um, but I've been working, running myself ragged, trying to set some good boundaries once the, the year mark hit, but um, now I'm on vacation for a month, and man, does it feel good. We have a new youth minister. He's awesome. I'm back in my original role, and all three of us um, in charge of formation ministry at the parish are now all three directors who report directly to the pastor. I'm not managing anyone. Um, so that is pretty awesome. So I, there's a lot of freedom in that. So yeah, praise God. I'm just super grateful. And I was reflecting today in my journal, just like you, you carried us. You carried me and my family. You carried me through this, Lord. Could not have happened without you. Just so much gratitude and I invite you to think about that. You know, I, I hope you think about your peak pit and plug moments when you listen to this, or maybe you share them with people that you're listening with. And I would encourage you to do that. But I don't know, maybe for a peak moment, just think about like this past year and a half, two years, like what has the Lord brought you through? I mean, you're still here. You're still standing. What has he brought you through? And give him thanks for that. Like we couldn't have got through it. We couldn't have got to this point. Even if now is still really difficult, he's still sustaining us. He's still get, getting us through. So yeah, praise God, glory to God. I just wanted to share that. So vacation, God bring me through. Um, my pit is that, um, I don't know. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm now at a place where I kind of have to let go. Not of like ministry stuff. I think I'm, I'm okay with that. I mean, yeah, a little bit. Like I have to be like, all right, even though I've been in this for a long time. I have to just, you know, let someone else be behind the wheel. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that. I have no 
qualms or hesitations, especially um, Tanner, our new minister, is awesome. So I'm very excited to see what he's going to do and um, see what we can all do collaboratively at the parish. But I think there's just also like now that things are opening up and have opened up, and I've had all these lingering projects and thoughts and future plans and things I'd like to do or pursue. I think it's just time in my discernment to kind of let go of some of those and just and let go of the whole, you know, overall desire to be in control of that and know when it's going to happen. Um, my spiritual director just taught me a wonderful prayer that is, uh, Lord, give me enough light just to see the next step. And I like to have, I like to say the prayer, Lord, give me the, enough light to see the finish line, to see the whole plan in its for, in its full, you know, formation and process so I can feel okay about it. And that never happens, right? And so if you're like me, I, I encourage you to pray that prayer and encourage you to maybe let go of some of the things that um, you just don't need to know right now or that the Lord is calling you just to wait on um, or to be faithful to him in and know that he will provide an answer the deepest desires, fulfill the deepest desires of your heart because he put them there. There's no desire on your heart that he does not intend to fulfill beyond the way that you probably imagine. And so, yeah, um, so it's not really pit. It's kind of a hopeful thing, but there is some struggle there, you know, really trying to balance the earthly pursuit versus the heavenly pursuit and what God wants and be okay with that. So that's my pit. My plug is that, you know, for a long time, I have been um, going to spiritual direction regularly. So once a month, I go to a spiritual director. Um, Once a month, I have professional coaching from someone who owns a strategic planning uh, company who goes to our parish, and um, that's his stewardship to our parish. And I go to therapy weekly, um, or weekly or every other week, kind of depends on the week. But um, I just want to give a plug for those things like mind, body, soul, like, you know, if you need a personal trainer too, like, I feel like I've taken that role on for myself in a lot of ways, but, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can continue to learn, to grow, to pursue the things that we want, but we can't do it alone. No one is an Island. No one can have faith alone. That's what the catechism says. And so, uh, and it's clear in scripture, like we're created to be in relationship with one another. And it's very difficult to ask for help, especially if I find as a man, we're not conditioned to have permission to ask for help, or at least that's not something that we're taught is okay. It's, you just kind of have to figure it out. And I want to encourage you, especially all the men out there, but men and women alike, um, what are ways that you need help in, you know, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, physically, and the things that you want to pursue and the, the person that you feel called to become? Um, don't shy away from getting that help and asking for it. So if this is the push that you need to go uh, find a therapist or to, to be more serious about pursuing a spiritual director or getting some professional coaching, um, you know, ask the light, ask the Lord for enough light to see the next step. And if I can be of any help, uh, especially if you're local to Southern California, reach out to me. I'm happy to do that. Um, happy to help you. Um, I offer spiritual direction sometimes, even though I'm not a certified spiritual director. And I tell people that because, you know, I want them to know I don't know everything and um, I'm not a therapist. Um, I do coach people in ministry and through different things, um, you know, vocationally. But um, if you feel called just in some way and want to pursue that and I can help in any way, at least point you in the right direction. Um, I'll probably always 99% of the time point you to somebody else other than myself. So um, yeah, anyways, I just wanted to put that out there. So that's my peak pit and plug. Let's get into the episode this week. Um, I've been, you know, in scripture a lot this year, doing the Bible in a year with Father Mike Schmitz, as I've shared with you, and um, doing a lot of other things. I do a weekly Bible study on YouTube for my parish. 
um, which I highly encourage you to tune into because you don't have to come live. And it's going to be transitioning back to in-person in August when I come back. So if you're local and you want to come on Monday nights, you're welcome. Um, you can also zoom in to those live sessions or we're also going to record them and put them on YouTube. So you have no excuse not to be getting into the word. So I've been doing that a lot in preparation for all those things. And I keep coming back to this one verse and it always inspires me even just like a single word in it. Um, and it's, uh, Matthew four verse 19, when Jesus calls Peter and Andrew and he says, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. Come after me and I will make you fishers of men. Come after me and I will make you fishers of men. Come after me and I will make you fishers of men. And there's just so much in this passage the more I learn about Jesus and the time of Jesus and the more I reflect on those words that I just felt compared to share a few of my reflections with you uh, and maybe unpack this, this verse and why it's so powerful and profound for us because that's really what Jesus asks of us too. You know, we're his disciples too. We're meant to be apostles in the sense that the word apostle means one who was sent, that we're meant to be sent out on mission as disciples to make more disciples. And so this call is for us too. And so I want to start by pointing out that Jesus seeks out the disciples. Jesus seeks us out. This was not common at the time. In fact, it was, it was not the way that rabbis found disciples at the time of Jesus. Um, I probably shared this before, but, you know, recap. For the people at the time of Jesus, young boys and girls would go to synagogue school, Torah school, um, from like five to eight years old, they would memorize the Torah. They would learn all of the 613 laws and the stories of Moses um, and the story of the Exodus and the deliverance and all the covenants um, the Lord made. And they would learn that, at least in the five books of the Bible, by the time they were eight. And then the boys were tested. Those who were, uh, you know, the best, the most, you know, eloquent or best at memorizing and repeating those words, because, you know, they didn't have paper and pen for everybody. It was all oral tradition that was passed on. They had one maybe scroll that everyone learned from, set of scrolls, that is. And then um, the best of the class, the boys, they would go to the next level of schooling, but everyone else would be go would be told to go home and then learn their family trade. And then the next level of school would come. They w- the boys would continue to learn interpretations of the Torah from their rabbi, and then they would um, try and memorize the entire rest of the Old Testament. The, the Hebrew scriptures, which is all the histories, the stories of King David, all the prophets, the story of exile and return and the rebuilding of the temple and the Maccabean revolt and all of that. And all the wisdom of Solomon, wisdom books, all of that they would learn, which is a ton. Um, and then they would be tested again. And those who were the best and brightest would go and try and interview with a rabbi. They would go seek out the rabbi and they would try and convince the rabbi that they uh, understood and wanted to be under the rabbi's yoke, meaning the rabbi's interpretation of the Torah. There was no centralized system here. A lot of people, that's why Jesus is always asked by whose authority or which law is the greatest, because they're trying to figure out, okay, who'd you study with? Or what do you think about this? Because other rabbis have different opinions, you know? So that was kind of the system in place at the time. And if the rabbi said that you were good enough, he would say, come follow me or come after me. Um, and you were meant to follow your rabbi so closely, like eat, dine, sleep, study, all in close proximity to your rabbi, that a common blessing of the time was may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, that you were following that closely, that the dust of his feet would kick up on the front of your, your clothing. 
So that was like this very, you know, popular and like almost like celebrity type religious devotion that people had to rabbis. Well, what Jesus does is he goes to the rejects. He goes to the people who were told they weren't good enough, who didn't know all of, you know, the Torah, who struggled, who were, you know, sinners, who were messy, who didn't have the greatest religious resumes. And instead of waiting for them to come to him, he goes and seeks them out. And he does the same for us. This is such a great reminder whenever you read this verse and think about the call of the disciples to recognize, like, you do not need to disqualify yourself before you follow Jesus. Like, he wants you now. He's calling you now as you are in your mess, in your sin, in your confusion, in your lack of knowledge, in your um, struggles with certain church teachings, in your struggles with your identity or your sexuality, in your struggles with who God is calling you to be and what your vocation may be or with holiness or anything. And he wants you now as you are. He seeks us out and he says, as in John 15, 16, he says, it was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain. He still wants to, he chooses us. And even as we are in the midst of life, when he comes into our lives, could just be, you know, doing something simple like fishing, providing for our families, doing what we're supposed to do, being faithful to our daily responsibilities. Jesus comes and says, I want to use you right now here as you are, and you will go bear fruit because I am choosing you. He finds us good enough. He does not disqualify us. We disqualify ourselves. And that's why, you know, people often ask, like, why did these guys who didn't even know Jesus just suddenly drop their nets? It's because finally someone had come to them and said, even though they rejected you, even though they said you weren't good enough, I want you to be my disciples. I want you to follow me. They use that discipleship language. Jesus used that discipleship language. Come after me. Come follow me. That was what rabbis said to their students. And based in saying, essentially, you are good enough. I choose you. I want you to follow me. And because he was the only rabbi to do this, it was that much more radical of an action to go seek out people and say, I find you worthy. I find that you are good enough. You have value. You have something to offer, even if they said that you didn't. And that is why in verse 20, it says, at once they left their nets and followed him. That's what I love about that come after me. And then I will make and I will make you. You know, it's Jesus who does the work, not us. But he allows us to be part of it. Now, it says a very popular verse, Philippians 4.13, I have the strength for everything through him who empowers me. Not by my own accord, not by my own strength. Uh, you know, common translation of that is I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. You've probably heard that one. But the New American, I have the strength for everything through him who empowers me. Now, this reminds me of, um, you know, Paul saying, uh, when I'm weak, I am strong for my power is made perfect in weakness that only in acknowledging that we can't do it on our own. Do we then recognize our strength through the person of Jesus Christ working in us and working through us? He does the work. He says, I will make you. You know, I think a lot of times we maybe encounter Jesus and we feel like he wants us to do something or follow him. But then we say, well, how do I do that? Like, that seems like a lot of work and I can't put in the time and I've got all these other responsibilities and I can't make it happen. No, you're not called to make it happen. Jesus will make it happen in you. But do you trust? Do you trust and know that he loves you and he will do it? It might be on his schedule and on his terms and not on yours. Maybe confusing or might take you down a path that you didn't expect. 
but he will do it in you. He desires to do it in you. You don't have to figure it out on your own. Come after me and I will make you. And then he says, fishers. I love that he says fishers. He doesn't say teachers. He doesn't say preachers, prophets. He uses the gifts that Peter and Andrew are displaying. He doesn't change our gifts. He uses and depends on them in order for his mission to be made known. That is what he does. So whatever your gifts are, he doesn't want to change them. You don't have to change the person that you are. You don't have to become somebody else before you can start following Jesus and responding to his call in your life. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 18, it's it, Paul talks about as a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free persons, and we were all given to drink of one spirit. And then he says, Now the body is not a single part, but many. If a foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it does not for this reason belong any less to the body. Or if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it does not for this reason belong any less to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God placed the parts, each one of them, in the body as he intended. I think a lot of times, especially with social media, we get into this comparative trap that sucks the joy out of our lives, makes us feel lonely, makes us feel like we're not good enough, makes us feel like we have nothing to offer because we're not like X person. You have gifts to offer and God will use them. He will make it happen in you. And even if you have no concept of what those gifts are or how they could be used, you have them. I would encourage you to take a charism assessment, some type of charism assessment. If you haven't done that before, Google it online or something. There are plenty of good ones out there. Um, and try and see what some of those gifts that that arises um, are potentially in you. And then talk to someone about it, a spiritual director, a priest, someone who can really discern is this something that you might just be good at or attracted to for a different reason? Or is this something that is really the work of the Holy Spirit in you? Because God desires to use your gift. He calls out that gift in you, as he did with Peter and Andrew. Come after me, I choose you, and I will make you, I will do it through you. You don't have to do it on your own. Fishers, I will use your gift. And then it says, of men, meaning of all people. You know, we often see masculine language because um, Greek is a gendered language and so some of the more all-encompassing words have a masculine pronoun they translate to masculine pronouns in English but it means all people that means there is still work to do you know he's just he doesn't say come after me and I will make you fishers he says come after me and I will make you fishers of other people meaning as I'm catching you now and fishing for you you will go fish for others that we are called to be disciples of Jesus who make other disciples. The goal of our life is not just to follow Jesus. It's part and parcel of following Jesus to share that message, that life, that journey with others so they will also follow Jesus and be inspired to continue that chain to share it with others. Our faith cannot be private. It cannot be stale. It cannot be atrophied by refusing to ripple into the people's lives around us being refused to be shared with those we encounter. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 at the end says, Go therefore and make disciples. 
He's telling his disciples to go make more disciples of all nations. How do we do that? Call them to baptism, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and know, behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Even once Jesus ascends after his resurrection, he promises he will still do that work in and through us. He will still do it. It's not about us. It's about him. He will do it. We simply need to say yes, to give our lives, our gifts, our time, our willingness, our free will over to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, use me however you desire. Because every time I try and figure it out, it's really confusing and it gets overwhelming or I disqualify myself or I feel like I'm not good enough. But this podcast is telling me that I am good enough because you are, that I am loved by you because you are, that I have gifts to share because you do. But maybe I don't know how to use them, Lord. And so I just invite, I invite you, if that's you, in any sense of those words, describes you even a little bit, to just offer a prayer of surrender. And I think a figure we can really look at for this as a good example of what it means to be used and follow Jesus faithfully, even if it, you know, even if nobody else ever knows, is St. Matthias. Uh, St. Matthias, you can read about him only in one place in scripture, and it's Acts chapter 1, verses 21 to 26. Matthias was the person who replaced Judas Iscariot as one of the 12 apostles. Um, They decide that um, they have to elect someone to fill that office. They see that those 12 roles were offices instituted intentionally by Jesus because he did intend to start a church with a hierarchy, an organization, a leader at the head who is obviously Peter, and those who eventually become the first bishops, uh, faithful around him. Um, He was not chosen at first because it says in there, at this point, there's about 120 disciples following Jesus. And they say, we have to choose from one of these people who's followed us since the baptism of John, since the very beginning, who's been with Jesus from the get-go. And so when Jesus has his first round draft pick of the 12, Matthias wasn't chosen. It wasn't time. He wasn't chosen at first, but later. It is never too late to respond to God's call for you. Come after him. Become a fisher of men. And then what's great is, so they cast lots between him and another guy named Justus uh, Barsabbas, I think. And the lot falls to Matthias. And then he's never mentioned in scripture again. He falls right back into the background, as we all should fall, because the work is about the glory of God. It's not about our name, our gifts, what we do. It's about sharing the message of him his gospel, his good news. But we know from church history, according to uh, historian uh, Nicephorus, um, that Matthias, he first preached the gospel in the region of Judea, and then um, in either um, Ethiopia and Africa, and maybe also or in modern-day Georgia. Um, Not the state, obviously, but the country where like Armenia and I think uh, Azerbaijan and and things are over there. and it was believed to be stoned to death. Um, there are some Coptic writings of the Acts of Andrew and Matthias um, and and about their activity in the city of cannibals in Ethiopia. Like how, like, that's just like such an Indiana Jones type of adventure thing. And like, it just goes to show you that like, no matter where God leads you, you're going to be on an adventure. And he's going to use your gifts. He's going to bring you to places you never thought possible because we surrender. We allow him to do that work in us. Um and there's another um, tradition uh, in the synopsis of Dorotheus that he preached the gospel to barbarians and meat eaters in the interior of Ethiopia and Africa 
um, and some of the countries down there and was buried there um, in one of the, the, I think, Roman or Greek colonies um, that was nearby. Um, but, you know, even in the histories, we have very little about him. He was very, you know, um, if you were to put him on the scale of popularity, you know, he was not like a celeb status. He wasn't verified on Twitter. Like, he was just a guy that was like a blip on uh, the historical radar of salvation history. And yet, he was chosen by the apostles and by extension, Jesus himself, because they had his authority to follow him. And through the power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in him, he made him a fisher of men. And I don't know what Matthias's gifts were, but, you know, maybe he was a butcher. And that's why people called him to uh, the meat-eating cannibal nations or something. I don't know. But, you know, whatever his gifts were, I guarantee you God used them to bring about the glory of God, to go make more disciples. And, you know, the Coptic tradition of the East, it's like a whole rite within Catholicism that is attributed directly to these original apostles, Matthias being one of them. And without his willingness to be a disciple who goes and makes disciples, to use his gifts, even when he couldn't figure it out, even when he thought he was unworthy, but through the power of Jesus that made him worthy, and the authority that Jesus gave him by virtue of the Holy Spirit, by virtue of his office that gave him authority to do it, that gospel spread. And now is a whole rite within Catholicism of thousands of people who know Jesus and who've known Jesus throughout the, the centuries. God wants to do that in you as well. God wants to do that in you. He wants to bring about the faith in others through you. It takes one person, you know, making one disciple who is then on fire to go preach to their neighbors, their friends, their family, maybe a nation. That's all it takes. So who maybe is that one person you need to do that to? Who's that one person or that one way in which you need to respond to this call? Because Jesus is saying that to you. Come after me and I will make you a fisher of men. What does that mean in your own life? Because he's saying it to you today, right now. He knew you'd be listening to this. He knew you would hear these words. And there's something lingering in your mind or in your heart, something pulling at you right now. A name, a person, a path, a vocation, whatever it is. And maybe there are obstacles coming to your mind, certain sins, things that you might disqualify yourself with, or that you know you need to root out of your life, or you need to ask help with. Whatever those things may be, you know them. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit makes them clear to you now and in the coming days. But I invite you to prayerfully consider how God is calling you to respond to that invitation. Because it's not only for those original 12 apostles, it's for you and for me and for all of the disciples that have ever existed, will ever exist, and hopefully some by virtue of God working through us because of our faithful yes, our willingness to say yes, even though we don't have it figured out, even though we're messy sinners, but God is good. And he wants to use you now, right now, as you are. Don't, do not disqualify yourself. You are worthy He's choosing you now today to respond to his love and to share that love with others in whatever way, unique way, he has called you to on this earth. That is all I have for you all this week. God bless you. I'm excited for our 100th episode. Please send in those uh, audio clips, video clips, or comments or emails about what this podcast has meant to you, what you like about it, a favorite episode, a favorite memory, whatever it may be, what you appreciate about it, any comments or feedback on it that we can share for our 100th episode. That would be stellar. And until next time, pray for me, and I'm praying for you, and I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless you.